Hello and welcome to the Cognitive Engineering Podcast produced by Tell Me Studios for Aleph Insights. In this series of podcasts, we take a look at interesting topics and discuss what we think they tell us about analysis and decision making. I'm Fraser McGrewer and I'm here with Nick Hare and Peter Coggill of Aleph Insights. And this week we're looking at our predictions for the US presidential election and discussing hindsight bias. So, Nick, can you lead us in and and tell us what what are we doing in this podcast? Well, we are going to be giving predictions for what happens in the US election. But what we're really talking about is hindsight bias. And this is a bit of a a self-experiment in hindsight bias. Inspired by an experiment in um, 1980 conducted by the psychologist Mark Leary, who asked uh, a selection of people what they thought was going to happen in the upcoming election between Reagan and, uh, and Carter. And most people were fairly cautious and said, you know, they thought perhaps Reagan had a slight edge, but that um, could go either way. Then after the election, so a few couple of months after the election, he went back to the same people and asked them, what did what had they told him when he asked that question? What could they remember what prediction they'd made? And uh, in general, people remembered being much more confident about Reagan than they actually were, because Reagan won by something of a landslide. And um, it, it, it there seems to be this um, prevalent cognitive bias called hindsight bias, where we reconstruct our prior beliefs about events that occur uh, so as to make them seem ine- more inevitable than they actually were. We forget how surprised we were. Now, we can't obviously here do that experiment. For one thing, we, we know that we're being experimented on in this way. So it's not, that's not really what, what we're trying to do. What we'll do is give our predictions now and then afterwards see how we feel about those predictions and we and so um we should explain that there's a week to go before the election and in the second half of this podcast we'll be recording that afterwards yeah so just to sort of make clear so we're now just a few days away from the u.s election um that's when we're recording um and we're actually going to record a second half um after the election and that is also um, when we'll release the whole podcast in, in its entirety. Okay, now are we are we ready to make our to reveal uh, I, I our predictions? Am. Okay, am. so we haven't heard from Peter yet. Um, do, I, do we do we want to hear what our predictions are based on? And this very much because so, it's not just predictions; it's probability we, of outcome. Prob- we're the probab- about. That's exactly what we're talking about. What probability are we putting on the outcomes and why? Right, exactly. So um, yeah, go for it, Peter. So I'm I'm relatively oh, Oracle. I'm reasonably confident that Clinton will take it. Uh, so I'm going to assign a 75% probability of a Clinton win, um, which means that. Uh, three out of four if we repeated this election over and over and over again in different parallel universes in different parallel universes then she'd win three out of four times not the same parallel universes okay yeah um uh, and that my my general reasoning is that, that um trump has been having a bit of a, a slide in the polls recently uh, lots of bad press he's he's weathered the bad press that he's been getting worse so than clinton even though clinton the re- the fbi reopening the investigation into her email server etc she's weathered that slightly better i think than than um uh than trump has and so this i think that that, that he'll take a bigger hit in the in the swing states than she will Okay, I should explain also that we've all written down our prediction as well. That's right. Good practice so that we don't get anchored uh, around what other people have said. Yeah. Uh, Anything else to add, Peter? Other than that, is your coffee nice? (laughs) Uh, I I think there might be a few surprises in some of the swing states. So uh, the, 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 the extrapolating from the polls today, I think, um, I think uh, Trump might take uh, Georgia, 
and uh, Ohio, uh, but I think Clinton's going to win out in in Florida and um, Colorado. Well, hold on then. So look, let's let's sort of really go to town on this. You've just said, I think, with 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 some of the states there, can you assign a probability to those states? Um, I've not really thought about that, but I th- okay. So I think um, Florida. Um, a very narrow win, so maybe sixty percent that that, uh, that mm-hmm. Clinton will get it. Um, and uh, for Trump in Colorado, slightly more, I think maybe seventy seventy five percent that he'll 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 take that. Okay, sorry, no, not Colorado. I'm, um, I mean Georgia. Georgia uh, seventy seventy five percent he'll take that. Okay, uh, Osage Nick. Uh, tell us your predictions. And I, I'm, I'm considerably less certain than Peter. I, I, I assigned Clinton a probability of 60% of winning. Um, and it's not, I don't really have a story. This is really much more of a question of what information do we have. And and I, I looking at the polls, yes, Clinton has a, has a slight edge at the moment. She's, um, uh, I think she's, you know, only about a point ahead. Um, now that that's, you know in the way that the u.s electoral system works a very small advantage can translate into quite into a much you know bigger share of votes in the electoral college um but the point is that 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 lead actually is very uh tenuous and and if you look at the way that the polls have changed week on week they varied by an average uh, so the lead has varied by an average of, of three points well between three and five points a week right for for almost the whole of the year so so we've got a week to go she's one point ahead um Yes, that's an advantage, but you know we would expect that to have changed by about by an average of three points by next week. Mm. That's just the polls, right? And as we've discussed in a previous podcast, polls do not give you that that good a picture of what people will actually do on the day. Uh, traditionally, the the final poll uh, has been out by uh, anything between. It's either it's sometimes it's it's um, absolutely bang on as it was uh, in 2008 but but in 1992 it was off by 6% significantly um, because Ross Perot st- stole more Clinton votes um, than people were expecting hmm. now uh, all of that means that we just don't have very much information here and we're not going to find out till the election so so my 60% is you know yes that reflects the slight edge that Clinton has now but 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 the you know the fact it's not higher is is because um, you know there's simply we we just you know it, there's a whole week to go, and and you know we know that every election has something so there's a, there's some sort of bias occurs, but we don't know which way it's going to go. But 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 which means that the polls are not actually a particularly perfect guide to to actual behaviour within the within the within the polling. Booth. I'd be interested to know if there are other measures out there, other indicators that are more reliable, like the price of gasoline, for example. Yeah, people Any- have never. Yeah, they, 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 those those things have been found, and they always stop working as soon as they've been found. So people do find good predictions. So I need to I think, find it. There's one that wants to do with the it. Super Bowl, which was absolutely astonishing. Like for 50 years, the Super Bowl outcome, you know, predicted whether or not there was going to be a change in the president, um, and uh, and then that stopped working. Right, uh, Peter, you look like you had something to say. Yeah, well, part, part of my reasoning is that. Uh, Trump has still got a whole week to stick his foot in it again. Right. <laughs> okay. Um, do you have a prediction for what my prediction is? I know that you are more. Uh, I think you're bolder in your in your formation of belief. So I think you're going to be higher than Peter in favour of Clinton winning. What do you think, Peter? I think you might be feeling particularly pessimistic at this time. So I think you're going to be bold about a Trump win. 
I predict 100% a, a Trump win. No, no. <laughs> God, That's just terrifying. wishful thinking. Yeah. Um, no, okay. Well, look, well said, Nick. Um, so I have a 90% certainty for Clinton is what I have. And my reasoning is actually very different from yours, okay, which is in, in, in classic Fraser, McGrewer, non-Aleph thinking is that I actually I can't be bothered to think about this very much. <laughs> And I just someone said, choose a number. What do you think? And I said, well, I don't know. It could be this. It could be that. There's all these numbers. There's all these polls. And I just cannot be. I mean, if I'm just being honest, you know, I'm very interested in the US election and I'm very interested in the outcome. But I can't be bothered to sort of to have a proper think about what I think is going to happen. And so when we went through this exercise and, you know, and I didn't even realize that I was going to have to put a number on it. And then you revealed to me that I would. I just put, well, I think it's really probably going to happen. Um, so I predict ninety percent. Toned it down um, from a hundred percent just to make it. Look well, I nearly more went realistic. from ninety-five percent actually. Yeah. Um, but no, that I mean, I mean, yes. If I'm honest, that's what I think. So, lead perhaps just briefly give me. We've we've not gone long left, but I mean, um, as we've discussed many times on on these podcasts, my approach is wrong, right? Well, we wait, let's. I think we should hold that discussion until after the election. Mm. Okay, fair uh, enough. and then we'll talk about you know forecasting approaches a bit and hindsight bias. You know how so so I think we'll probably have very different views after the election. Something whatever happens, we will. You know, if Trump wins, we'll go. Oh, it's kind of obvious. Why didn't we see that? If Clinton wins, we'll go. Yeah, that was obviously was obviously going to win. She was ahead all the way. We'll we'll find a way to rationalise what happens, and but- that's what that's what we'll be discussing. So in our published podcast, what we've just listened to um, what our predictions were before the election. Here we are now um, after the election, but importantly, none of us have listened to, um, to the predictions that we made. So Nick, can you tell us what you think you said at the time about your predictions? Yeah, well, I, I think, I mean, I know I was the least confident uh, of all of you. Um, of a Hillary victory and I think I said uh, I might have said 55 to 60 percent or I might just have said 60 percent Hillary so I was I was of the view that we couldn't draw a great deal from uh, opinion polls that they they were you know subject to quite significant hidden swings Um, and uh, so yeah so I I think I, I wasn't hugely surprised by the Trump victory Peter? I think I was more confident. I think I was 70, maybe 75% Hillary victory. Um, and I think I was probably allowing my my sort of uh, optimism about a, a democratic win get it, get the better of my judgment. Um, and I, th- I, I, I was also not listening to polls much, but I was listening to the, the sentiment around the incumbent democratic government and... Um, maybe reading all the liberal press rather than anything else, uh, but it seemed it seemed like the Democrats were were liked more than the more than the Republican offering. Mm. Well, I remember with great clarity what I said, which was that this was too close to call. <laughs> and the... we had to talk. I, I do remember having to talk you down from a hundred percent. No, 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 no. And very reluctantly, I think you said you went down as far as ninety-five percent. Uh-huh. <laughs> no, no. I remember saying this is too close to call. We shouldn't be surprised if we wake up on on, on the morning and that there's a Donald Trump presidency <laughs> coming. Now, I remember I said, yeah, I think I said ninety percent, and 
I don't think I was talked down, but I think I said, you know, I, I thought about 95%. Um, I, I think you started out by saying, well, obviously Hillary's going to win. The, the, the use of percentage <laughs> percentages here is, 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 is absurd because she's no. obviously going to win. No, I okay. didn't say that. Okay. No, I didn't. If, if we find out when we listen to it that you did say that, what, what do you... What will the consequences be for me? <laughs> well, I mean, just... No, but I think it's that, this is really interesting because I, I actually have a distinct memory of that, but you don't. Well, um, no, One but, of us is going to be Okay, wrong. so look, okay, good point. So what, what I think I said was that um, I was fairly certain that uh, Clinton was going to win and I put 90 on it, 90% uh, certainty. Um, I had been thinking about 95% or 100%, but I just, but, you know, I'm... I'm I, um, I was I'm more cautious than than that and so I said no 90% but I also remember why I said it um and I said look to be frank I didn't realize we were going to give a percentage before we started broadcasting so I just thought one up and that I can't be bothered to think I've got better things to be doing than making You only up. know two percentages 100 or zero <laughs> <laughs> Thank you and um I um I just couldn't be bothered it's just too much thinking that's what I said um I think this interesting the ex- my the, the extent to which I was certain and the and the my rationale behind that is was very wrong. Um, I don't know. I think I, I'm, the point I'm trying to make is that even though we were all wrong, is that I was the most wrong. Mm-hmm. And according to Aleph methods, the 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 method that I was using to get my decision was completely wrong and inadvisable. And sure enough, it was. Um, I don't think it's just Aleph methods. I think it's like the <laughs> scientific method. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's sort of doing doing proper forecasting. You know, I think we touched on it at the time, but we certainly touched on it at other times, which is trying to trying to put the situation you're in into a larger reference class of similar situations. And we really didn't have to go back very far in the year to find a similar situation um, where you know the, it looked like a fairly close call, but but that polls were putting um, remain uh, ahead of the Brexit. Um, and of course, it was the other way around, and and here we were. Now, I you know people have drawn um, analogies between Brexit and Trump, and some of them are valid. But just even forget about that. For, just think of it as an opinion poll where uh, you know the where the the polls are showing a slight edge for one side. Um, you know, forget about whether there's similarities between the kinds of underlying motivations for Trump voters or Brexiters. You, you know, polls are often wrong, and and you know for reasons that are hidden to the pollsters. Um, and this was another one of those situations. It was, it was very close. The, the opinion polls were fairly close. And, um, you know, we, we shouldn't... I mean, and this is the thing. that I think we can look back now and most people probably are telling themselves that they weren't really as surprised as they were. And that's really why we did this experiment, was uh, to look at this phenomenon of hindsight bias, which is phenomenally important um, for all sorts of reasons. Uh, and it, it's, this, it's this phenomenon of um, constructing... A, a narrative explanation for things that happen to make it seem like they were sort of more inevitable than they were. It's sometimes called the I knew it all along effect. And uh, it's been uh, heavily researched. And I think one of the one of the one of the things that hindsight bias does is it makes us it makes us forget that we were surprised. And so it means that it means that we um, actually go through life thinking we were more right about stuff than we were. And when you actually go back and investigate your 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 past beliefs you can find that they're actually quite different you can be quite surprised if you've ever read an old diary that you've written you could be quite surprised by the things you thought um and there's an interesting question as to why that happens so why does it happen well that's no no one's quite sure 
the the question is really whether it's whether it's adaptive so do, is is the reason that we uh, revise our beliefs about what we used to think is that is that some sort of engineering trade-off do we do it because it's just you know our brains find it easier to operate that way mm. or is there some storage for yeah what we, what we used to think or is it actually that there's some evolutionary benefit to forgetting about what you used to think well are we not talking about cognitive dissonance here go on are you familiar with this well uh, yeah i know the i know the term okay so yeah i mean so the idea is that we can it allows us to hold two contradictory views but sort of settle on one of them and go that's that's what i was thinking all along or yeah. i feel i feel okay about that well, and, looking and back psychologically that's useful for us otherwise we'd it would just drive us mad. As the most wrong of all of us, yeah. looking back, uh, do you feel? I mean, what do you think about old past Fraser there from a month ago? Uh, what did? <laughs> what do you think? I mean, do you think what a nincompoop? Why was he so? No, do you know what? I think, um, uh, in all seriousness, it makes me think that I have a greater uh, craving for certainty than either of you two do. Um, in, 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 in anything really I, I, I don't really have patience or time for things that are more am, ambiguous um, and I just recognise that as a trait in myself just because I recognise it doesn't necessarily mean I'm happy about it or I couldn't try to change it well you can take comfort in the fact that it's not just you it's also a lot of governments um, and mm. you know thinking about the British government there was certainly no plan B for for what would happen if the Brexit vote voted to leave, um, and and you know why, you, why not? I mean, obviously everyone was just abs- making it up as they went along on the next morning. You think, well, that's extraordinary, but really deep down, people didn't think it was going to happen. I well, think, about, about, and a similar thing with the Trump vote. You know, actually, you can see that uh, a lot of international governments were were wrong footed by it and don't yeah. really know. You know, they don't have a Trump strategy. They, they don't know who the key people are. You know why? Why? Why are non-entities like Nigel Farage suddenly being propelled into the limelight? Because they've they're the ones who've been keeping up contact with Trump and his team in a way that um, you know we actually our officials haven't. Sorry, I know you want to come in, Peter, but I also just want to say I think the other thing is as well as this craving for certainty. I think I'm a more emotional person than than either of you two, and and so the thought of a Trump presidency was such anathema that I just couldn't contemplate it and I didn't want to think that that could happen and seriously how could anyone yeah but why I mean this is the problem with hindsight I mean this is the puzzle with hindsight bias it cannot serve us to believe things because we want them to be true it it must be more advantageous to believe or or attach the correct probability to things so that you can make the right decision about them Mm, of course you know believing things that we want to be true doesn't ultimately stop you know the the crocodile biting I recognize the frailty of this position yeah Peter, so uh, aside from the fact that governments don't um, make enough resource available for planning on contingencies, I, I know for a fact that some government departments weren't allowed by their ministers and civil servants to senior civil servants to plan for the uh, Scottish the outcome of the Scottish referendum should it have should it they they have voted yes to leave the union. Um, so it's seen as a waste of resource. But aside from that, a lot of our customers that we've known from. Uh, Ministry of Defence, they they are unable to accommodate uh, a probabilistic judgment on an outcome. They 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 are all they they are off they're after certainty most of the time. They want to know uh, will this country invade this other country or is it yes or no? Give me the answer. Is it is and the, there's a sort of naive perception that there is an answer out there that can be known, um, and that it's the jobs the analysts 
role to find that answer out, not to place a probability on that outcome, which, as Nick says, is more useful. And anyone who does risk analysis will will understand the concept that you know if it could go one way or the other and you can work out what the percentage is and you know what the impact of each of those outcomes is that's a very useful um, set of data to work out what the your expected cost or value to that 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 ultimate outcome is hmm. anything else out here just um you know, we talked about what, why, what hindsight bias is, and we should probably point out, you know, obviously this is not in any sense a proper controlled experiment. This is really just uh, experimenting on ourselves subjectively to see what it was like, um, paying attention to the, to the change in, uh, you know, in, in um, our, our own beliefs about, about our own beliefs. And I noticed even just, you know, as, as soon as the vote had happened, I remember trying to remember what I'd said and convincing myself that I'd said something lower than I had. I think what I said was 60%. But I, I remember convincing myself that actually what I'd said was 55%. I could see that revision happening in real time. And I, and I think the there isn't a consensus about why hindsight bias happens. But um, uh, the to, to my mind, the most convincing theories is simply that it's a way of conserving, um, you, you know, cognitive uh, cognitive space um why would you hold on to incorrect old information the idea is that when you learn new information so the new information we might have gained from the american election is that trump was more appealing than we thought once you learn that why why bother retaining a cached version of your past mm. sets of information you know you don't go through life uh, collecting um old versions of your own beliefs and putting them somewhere there's just mm. no point we, we have not evolved the capacity to do that um you know, hindsight bias actually is a reflection of the fact we're, we're updating our beliefs so that when we look back and say, well, what, what actually, how likely was Trump to win? Um, we're taking on board the information which actually we didn't have access to, which was, turns out he's quite inexplicably to me, quite appealing. Well, look, but here's the thing, because, um, and I want to wrap up here, but actually I'm the victor in this, okay? And the reason, uh, right? Yeah. And the reason why is there. There's there's a certain sense of irony here that um, my uh, decision making um, methodology was was poor, and it was let's call sort call it shooting from the hip, going with my gut, going with their, my emotions. However, that sort of methodology is not the sort of methodology that will prevent you from being elected as president of the most powerful country in the world. And um, people will ignore all you smart analysts and they'll still go with someone like me. So um, or Donald Trump, although I'm slightly concerned about putting myself in the same stable as Trump. And um, all I can say is all hail President Fraser. Here I come. <laughs> Peter, you see, I mean, that's, that is an interesting thing because the, the, the famous pundits, the, the successful pundits aren't. And as Tetlock has demonstrated, are rarely the, the most correct. The one, they're just lucky. Uh, or they're the most vocal about a particular subject that, that, that people like to read about. So, um, yeah, there is something in that. And the, 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 the analysts who are really Bayesian, like ourselves, um, will will not meet fame and fortune because we'll be written out by the pundits who bang on about um, water wars or, or, uh, or some other sort of yeah no no one's gonna no one wants to listen to some guy come on the news and say well you know i feel very strongly that this could go either way you know they want <laughs> they want to have they want to have someone who's going to give a really convincing story as to why one thing's going to happen yeah. and then have another guy who says the exact opposite 
Yeah, yeah. Well, that's why in the US, um, and I guess elsewhere, is that amongst political pundits, there's lots of, of right-wingers out there. It is, they get a lot of viewership or listening or listening audience because it's it's more interesting to listen to someone sort of ranting and raving. Yeah, it's not just right-wingers. I mean, this is, this is one of the problems probably saved for another podcast, but, you know, that people are listening to the news that supports what they think. And that's certainly true of, of liberals as well. Absolutely. As no, there definitely is a podcast there. Okay, um, look, so um, let's wrap it up there. Um, as I said, you know, just to sort of reiterate, all hail President Fraser, here I go. Um, thank you, Nick Hare. Thank you, Peter Coghill. Um, thank you, President Fraser. Uh, you've been listening to the Cognitive Engineering Podcast with uh, Aleph Insights. Thank you for listening, and until next time, bye-bye. Mm-hmm.